0: Power Canadian lifters. Pure passion, real results, what you put in your body should matter. Pure Vita Labs PVL supplements are clean, tested, and approved. Powering athletes for over 25 years. They also power the KOTL podcast. You could trust PVL. Use code KOTL15 for partnership pricing at PVL.com. Six Pack Lapidat. As usual, got our boy Arian Messi and Natalie Richards. We we had this bad boy, we were scheduling it, and um I was like, How about five o'clock? It was a was it Arian? He was like, How about five oh one? Yeah.
1: And then
0: and my man showed up at five oh four because he forgot what your total was. <laughs> but uh how are things, man? Going good? Yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: good. Not much going
0: on. Well, here it is. You've had a bit of a like this 501 must have felt particularly good. Not only um is it a, a monster total, but we talked in DMs. You did a bit of a comeback here. Let's let's pull it all the way back because a lot has changed, right? Yeah. You um you had a phenomenal original pro series debut. Winning that jumped on the scene, I think it was a, a five or 485 kilo total, and everybody's on notice like, Holy shit! Um, at the time, I believe the world record was still around 492.5, but that's Joy Namani in the open, and you were a junior hitting 485, so everybody's like, Holy smokes! Um, and you're on the scene in a major way. Since then, um, obviously, Mega Nats, we could touch on that. You rally back and hit a five oh one another incredible total. Um, you weighed in a stitch more than the fifty seven kilo class. and then, um and now you've announced, guess yeah. what? I'm coming to the IPF and we're gonna we're gonna have ourselves like a huge clash in the fifty seven kilo class. This is insanely stacked it's, a deep class. Did did. it's 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 one of the most stacked classes we got in powerlifting right now, all head to head too. No need of a calculator, which is always better. Um, so, but we'll, we'll, we'll back it up a little bit. So first off, I guess one of, one of the be- first questions I've, I got right off the top of my head, um, is the move over to the IPF. Is it specifically to, to have this direct head to head competition with, uh, Jad Joy in and just let's see on the same platform. Yep.
1: Yeah, that was pretty much my main reasoning is I want to go against Joy and then Ja uh, Jacobs and all the other like ten lifters down the line. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like the, the most competitive class I think is the 57s at the world level. So that's where I wanted to go, and why I ended up switching from USAPL to PLA.
0: I mean, it, and you're right. Look at I mean, when we look at um, Bobby Butters, who's in the 480s. Yeah.
1: Her squat is
0: insane. Um, squat's absolutely insane. Her
1: total's insane, but
0: yeah. Totals insane. But that squat is is freaking like a world record squat's phenomenal. Yeah. But you have a Bobby Butters who did who's in the 480s who could easily enter the 490s. I mean, she's seven kilo away from the four nineties herself. Mm. Totally reasonable to to assume that by next year she would be in the four nineties. I mean, it's crazy. It could be like it um and, and that's just that's her. There's Evie Corrigan, obviously, Canada's Maria T and um we have other people coming over like i just seen chrissy yeah. parachi's coming over um there's i mean it's, it's just there's so many people out there Erin who else is the 57s? i want to miss i um, there's too Bridget many
1: a Blinky, i think too britney's
0: britney's come yeah it's yeah. it's it's crazy it is my, insane
2: maya de silva as well you talk about in the juniors yeah. that should eventually be in the open
0: uh yeah, yeah she aged out and Maya from Spain at Junior Worlds, you know, she didn't have the Euros performance she wanted. Uh, but at Junior Worlds, she missed her last deadlift and it was down up. It wasn't out of strength. And that last deadlift would have put her at 480 as well. Mm-hmm. So there's another lady in the 480s, like or capable anyway. It's not officially in the 480s, but it was just a down up and it was super, it's one of those down ups, like nah, it could have passed on any given if it was a local meet type deal. You know how tough yeah. the IPF calls are. But um, I mean, it is absolutely stacked in the 57s is it like moving into the 57s like this so this is what i respect about you if you wanted to you could avoid that and try to like it's it's was it tempting at all or a consideration that i could avoid this and there will be enough people that will sing my song anyways and be like you're the best in the world regardless of going against all these other ladies or were you what, what were your thoughts? Or was it like, you know what? I can't though. I can't lay claim. Cause there probably already is some people saying, no, Natalie's number one. There probably already is without having to face them directly. Right. Was there a temptation there or, or, you know, did you hear this kind of talk? Or-
1: <laughs> no, I didn't. I knew that I wanted to go to the world level and PLA route. Like when I look at USAPL, like I bombed out of national, so I can't do the pro series finale. So I was like, Oh, okay, no motivation for next year then with that. So what do I want my goals to be, if that's out the window, I have nothing else besides PLA Nats in the world. That's on my mind. So I didn't really think about staying at all after then. I was like, what the heck? Let's just go ahead and just <laughs> move forwards and try our best uh, in PLA.
0: If you Had you not bombed would you have stayed uh, USAPL then?
1: I probably would have like maybe finished out the Pro Series and then I would have switched on over after.
0: Because it would have been, man, missing you and all the 57s together on the same platform would be a shame. As a sports <laughs> fan, it's like, and I do respect like, you know, it It would be tempting. I I a lot of these ladies are moving into divisions that are absolutely stacked. Absolutely stacked. And they're going to have to scrap for American titles just to get on the American team. Like even like in 47, for instance, when you look like uh, Heather Connor, who previously was the 47 kilo queen. And now she's got the fight of her life coming with Jessica. And then when you get the world's the fight of your life with turbo Tiff and, and some of these other 47s are emerging and Heather's like, no, I'll go PA route. Thank you very much. Like, like they'll lean into it. Like they're it's, I respect the out of, So many of these ladies, you know, who are gravitating towards competition and being like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to meet it, meet it head on and let's settle it on the same platform and not do the old, my total versus your total, not on the same platform. Cause there's, that's good, but it's not, um, there's something about when a competition rolls around and it's flip a coin. Oh my God, I don't know who's going to win. And you got that feeling you'll have it as a competitor, but like watching, I'm I'm a hyperbolic, easily emotional dude who gets all excited. But watching it, I did you guys. You guys are frozen. Have I froze for you guys? But um, I think I left off at where I was just talking about everybody amalgamating and like not everybody. Obviously, the, on the men's were a little bit split, but on the women's it seems a lot of people are coming over, um, and we're just talking about your decision to come over. As oh yeah, and I was saying like as a fan, I get like watching it. I get like, oh, my God, before a big competition, I don't know who's going to win. I feel it. Like before Jess and Agatha, I was like, oh, my God, at Worlds. As a competitor yourself, have you had a face-to-face in the same weight class matchup like that where you were like, oh, my God, this is flip a coin. I'm not sure who's going to win.
1: Um, that was kind of like how I felt maybe 2021 Carolina primetime in the summer, because that was when I think me and Selene were still kind of like close on weight class wise. And we'd never gone, well, we went ahead, head head before, but this was a bigger stage on Carolina primetime. So kind of like the first, like, Oh my God <laughs> type of moment. But since then, it's just been, uh, not so intimidating as that first moment.
0: And, and yeah. And you guys. In the summer 2021, and I'm just gonna pull this up here. Uh, the Carolina Primetime. So that's when you hit your 470, and is the Virginia Pro that you hit your 485?
1: I think so. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
0: And it only the thing is too, it only um obviously intensifies the more you're around, right? The longer, like 470 is obviously really good for a 57. The longer you're in it, the bigger your total is, the more it gets matched up against like the best of the best and all of a sudden the intensification of everybody watching eyeballs on you expectations etc so then it becomes more and more do you feel like um how do you think you'll how do you think you'll react to it how do you how does it feel right now now when you're heading into this
1: I'm not even like worried about that I'm trying not to like put myself mentally there where I'm like oh my god what if this happens and do the scenarios in my head because they're just gonna screw with me so I'm really just thinking about okay execute at nationals what you need to do and then we'll worry about worlds in like three to four months like don't even worry about it right now like (laughs) that's kind of where i am so i don't really want to psych myself out before i even do it yeah and
0: to an extent you almost got to just like trust yourself where it's like look at everything you're going to feel everybody's going to feel yeah Uh, it's it's not unique to you whatever the and russ had a quote i don't know if he was just sharing it or if he like said it himself but he said this kind of pressure is a gift when he's mm-hmm. going into a, a big competition and and Russ for unfortunately for Russ it's all eyes on him anyways period and he's been winning so long that people want to see him lose now that's that's the the drawback when you have tons of success people like like everyone roots against the Yankees type deal right yeah. um, but he says like this type of pressure is a gift because that means people actually are tuning in and care now mm-hmm. yeah now is when like when you feel pressure it's because Oh, this is, this is, this is the position that people dream of being able to be in to have like, you know, be representing more than just yourself. You're going to, you're going to have USA across the chest. Like you got to win Nats first, by all means, I'm not looking past anybody, but the dream would be if the dream is realized USA across the chest, hitting the world stage against the world's best. And, um, yes, yeah, yeah. You'll have some nervousness, but on the flip side, (laughs) on the flip side that's a dream that's like what you know it's you just gotta have that moment of being able to embrace that um and you you could trust yourself because you've hit 501 and you know what that number would mean now when you hit 501 and you were 57.03 did you purposely just not make 57 or was it what was what were you thinking there was it like it didn't really matter because it didn't matter for that competition anyways Right.
1: Like, uh, honestly, I was not trying to weigh in super light like that. I just got nervous the week of because I was sitting probably at like 59 kilos and I got really nervous like two weeks out. So I naturally just lost a little bit of weight. But good to know that happens because I can cut down pretty easily. But uh, I just wanted to make sure I was around probably 58 kilos doing doing that total to kind of see where I would be at nationals the following year. So I didn't mean to cut down to 57.1, but this kind of happened
0: because when you saw okay that makes that obviously makes sense then yeah. uh when you waited like oh shit okay i wasn't actually expecting that. because
1: i ate when, breakfast like the morning of like i was not trying to cut i drank gatorade but it just happened
0: because when you see it then you're like damn it i might as well have cut that little
1: i know, <laughs> you know you like, i shouldn't man. have eaten the breakfast then at that point
0: <laughs> or the gatorade or whatever just that's yeah. like so little a sweat you could literally spat that out and be like damn it i would have but... i know. I wanted to ask you that. Cause like, Oh my God, it was so close, but it totally makes sense for you. Like, no, I wasn't cutting it all though. That was totally yeah. by accident that I ended up.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Oopsies. I should have just done the point one, but
0: whatever. Whatever it is, what it is. Yeah. It all's well, that is well. Now it would have been, um, you were that close to being the first 57 that ever crossed a 500 kilo threshold, which would have been, cause nobody's done it unofficially. Right, Arian? Am I not correct hmm. on that?
2: no as far as i'm seeing like uh on open powerlifting even for 60 kilos and below natalie's the only one over 500
0: wow okay well you are the first 60 kilo and below to do it anyways but we are mad close to a, 50, a 57 doing it obviously um and who knows man maybe we're gonna see maybe we're gonna see us at pa nats i mean it's right around the corner here when is PA net scheduled that's February, correct? The,
1: the like, February, the week of the 23rd, I want to say. It's, like, the last week of February, I think.
0: Were you, were you watching um, the European Championship? Wait, okay. Because yeah. I know Jad probably had eyes on a possible 500. And um, he made the Euros was some really strict judging. Holy... He st- got robbed. Let's Whoa. be honest here. <laughs> there is some strict judging out there. He could have um,
1: totaled, I think... I personally, in my own opinion, thought she got her squat and I think her last deadlift. And what that total has been insane—like five fifteen, five seventeen. It's
0: it's so, something. It's, like something, it's pretty. It, it's it's a big total. It's yeah. it's a yeah. It's a big one, um, but it's it is what it is because it'll be the same international judging that uh, essentially what they do. They obviously they bring every single country that comes to these international events. Euros being one of them brings refs. And then those refs do the judging. So the same refs that do the Euros will be the same refs that do Worlds. I'm not sure if I remember the refs being that strict at Worlds. Um, Arian, what are your thoughts there? Did it seem stricter or does it just seem that way? Because the people who got hit are big names at Euros. And maybe it was always that, just the big names got hit this time. So it impacted us more.
2: I mean, there was big names getting hit in both directions at Worlds too. Maybe sometimes is a little bit different as well when like, um, they there coaching and you're maybe a little bit more emotional versus like watching euros at home but like remember my lifter jonathan garcia got his third squat overturned to a good lift chance we had the issues with squat getting it overturned jesus had the issues with squats where he um, wasn't getting them um, joy you know it was the whole issue where she almost bombed out on squats and got it in so sure. there's plenty of stuff like that at worlds as well okay
1: you're, that's recency. that's recency bias <laughs> right. i forgot about that
0: <laughs> because yeah i totally did too because now that i think about it when i watched joy squat i was like you know that was <laughs> like <laughs> the, all right it was wow so you're right there is yeah i guess it could go either way i guess sometimes yeah. when it goes and- against you it's like what the hell
2: And what I try and tell people is like most powerlifters, we could probably say 75% or more, maybe even 90% or more of powerlifters are squatting like right on the line, like either just below parallel or just above parallel. It's not like people are squatting like ass to grass, like weightlifting and be like, oh, you call me for depth. Everyone's playing that line. So sometimes you're going to get called on it, whether the judges are calling it, you know, easier or harder, you know, it can go one way or the other.
0: Yeah. That's fair. I, I mean, it's never as, yeah, if it's an ass to grass, it's very rarely that it's going to be bald um, against you. If you make it undeniable, usually it is right on that line. And the toughest way to judge it is head on, which is usually what you see on on the live stream. And everybody posts live stream and is like, take a look at my squat depth and it's or a picture oh. of dead on. It's like, that's very difficult. But uh, I understand what it is, um, but it's tough. It's it's a very tough. Um, it's it's a, it, when you come into the IPF at the very least you know the standard is going to be probably the highest of the standards, and that's something to think about. Um, but uh, yeah, what what are you thinking in terms of the rule setting, knowing the standard that you're walking into? Did you have to adjust your bench at all? I'm not sure. I don't. I don't remember you having a bench depth. You know where. Uh-huh.
1: you I was at max grip. And then right after uh, Carolina primetime this year, I immediately brought it into middle finger on the rings. Um, and then I've also been practicing with ring finger on the ring. So worst case scenario, I don't get it on my opener. I'll just bring it in a little bit and do it again on my ring finger. So I can do both if need be, but I think I'm doing the rules to their, I guess, suggestion that they put out online. I'm trying to make sure I meet that before going into nationals being like blindsided or anything.
0: Yeah. Hopefully everything's cleared up too. The communication isn't the greatest on exactly what this rule looks like. Like the last thing I want to see is major competitors bombing out on this because I
1: know. it's know. like almost like you want to open like lighter than, you know, would be reasonable just because you want to make sure you have to close grip your bench after you miss your opener or something.
0: You kind of almost want to like, I'm wondering, obviously uh nationals in February, what is on the calendar? that we might be able to see this thing in motion before nationals
2: there's only a couple of things the main one is the uh Reykjavik games in January Mm. and then technically Canadian nationals is Mm. I believe right before American nationals in February is that right Ryan do you know off top of your head when it is
0: off the top of my head I do not sir I know I will not be there so what's that date love
2: uh, so the Canadian Nationals is February 13th or 18th. So technically, you guys will have to go okay. through your Nationals before we do. And then what I was mentioning too, right before you got knocked off, was that the Bench Worlds is before Classic Worlds. And so the Bench Worlds, you're going to get a lot of attempts in with a lot of those higher level referees going through the process. Maybe they'll get some help as well from the EC or the Rules Committee or whatever like that. And then that'll hopefully set us up for a better position for Classic Worlds.
0: Yeah, Bench Worlds going first is obviously tons of data points on it. I mean, we will know exactly what's going to happen walking into Worlds. That's good. Um, and everybody's got to go through the same thing, too. So how how have you felt the adjustment in terms of moving, you know, your hands and whatnot? Did it Did you find it greatly impacted your bench? Or
1: Honestly, uh, not really. This past block actually hit, like, uh, a few rep PRs and pretty much, like, tied my best bench press with that grip that's moved in. So I haven't Damn. found it to be, like... Neg- negatively impacting the right
0: thing my wrist my shoulders feel good so isn't that crazy huh it's, <laughs> it's like watching even euros um like when people think of aggressive benches eddie Berglund's one of the the big ones in the he was 66 kilo world champ moved mm-hmm. up to 74 but eddie Berglund has a massive bench arch and then watching euros it, i don't know if it's quite to the new ipf ipf spec now but it's getting close it's getting close and his bench is still extremely heavy and strong and it's like I mean I mean he moved up a weight class but still it's people thought this was going to murder some people I don't think it's going to quite be like people thought it's very interesting
1: Yeah I feel like a lot of people in the Instagram comments are like hey they banned Archie what are you doing like it's not like that it's just a simple elbow to shoulder rule and I think it's- it will only affect like 1% of lifters, maybe negatively. The rest yeah. of people are going to
0: be just fine. Yeah. It's not going to be like everyone thought it was going to be like people who were anticipating seeing totals all get brought down across the board. Maybe not, you know, maybe not. Yeah. Well, I mean, at least it'll be, everybody's kind of feeling it, but um, those, even those who heavily rely on the bench press, it's not quite the, I don't know. Cause you could obviously arch pretty well still and have a pretty good setup. It's just the range of motion of that bar path going up and down has increased. But um it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. And um I yeah, Canadian Nationals going for going first. I don't know, because it's at the national level, but they have international judges there. What do you think, Arian? As a as a you've done this. You 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 know you're you're a ref. Um do you think at the national level it's gonna be as intense as at the international level? What are you anticipating here?
2: I mean, it, it depends on like between now and the, end of the year if there's any information that's going to be passed along as well, or if it's just just what's in the rule book, and then the referees will have to make sure to read the rule book and go off of that. Um, I think the biggest confusion online right now, I don't know among the referees because I don't talk to so many of them, is what do they consider the top of the shoulder? Because I think a lot of people are considering the top of the shoulder when you're laying down the bench, so they're marking the dot on the front delt, but I'm taking the top of the shoulder joint actually when you're standing up. So it'd actually be like here when, so when you're laying down, be more of like the center of your shoulder. So it'd actually be a lower point that you have to go to. So then it just depends on how are the referees interpreting this? How are they going to apply it? What information are they going to get? Um, so we'll, we'll see. I, I would think that if referees don't have as much information and they're not as sure, then they'll just go more conservative and give more whites and give the faster press command or whatever error on that side rather than going harder, but we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. Hmm. not good when it's just left up to interpretation i feel like i know <laughs> that's where it's the problem but
0: but, it's but that's
2: it. what i'm saying we still got a couple more weeks until the year ends and until any meets start for next year so there's still time for the ipf if they want to send anything out so we'll see
1: in- i uh benched like i qualified for nationals uh in october or i can't remember i think it was last week of october and i set up for my bench press i just did 60 kilos and i did it and got the white lights, and then the ref had me stand up there and explain to me the 2023 bench rules. Like he stopped the competition and explained to me what they were, and it was very awkward. And then I just finished the meet and left.
0: What? Oh, yeah. You... <laughs> While you're on the platform,
1: he was like, "You don't know the rules have changed," and I think he was talking about my arch. I do have a big arch, but wow. Yeah.
0: That is kind of awkward on the spot right there, but um anyways. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, thank you, sir. I'll, right. keep, I'll keep Thank <laughs> you, guys. Uh, I got to go do ahead. my deadlift now. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We are, we are right in the middle. He's running a quick seminar just to clear some things up. I was wow. I mean, it is what it is, obviously. Um, yeah, I, I think presidents is going to be set early on. That's the biggest is like... Let us get some reps in with this new rule. And once precedence has been set, it's a lot easier for everybody to follow suit until it's, it's the early goings. That's going to be the most difficult. That's why Canadian nationals freak. It's probably going to be good for their yeah. viewership. <laughs> right, Everybody all over the world, all of a sudden is watching the Canadian nationals. Yeah. That's to tough. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so when you first got, when did you first get into powerlifting?
1: uh I, when the heck did i do that meet uh either 2018 or 2019 i did my first local meet i can't remember when i think it was 2019
0: it was 2019 uh, in november okay. <laughs> oh my yes. gosh it's only been three years how <laughs> did the, obviously you're very new to this so before this well first off how did you find powerless
1: Um, I had a buddy, uh, when I first started college who did powerlifting and he was like, Hey, you should try this. And so he just kind of showed me about the gym and gave me my first program. And then I ran like Candido's program for like three months or whatever and started getting into it. And then did that meet, uh, in 2019 after training for like probably like nine or 10 months.
0: And, um, so through your, before that, did you, did you do any weightlifting or any strength training or whatever?
1: I didn't do really any strength training like growing up. I did tons of sports like gymnastics, softball, volleyball. And then I ran um, in high school and then a little bit uh, in college. And then I started lifting.
0: I mean, it's uh, because your progress has been huge. And um, usually like when people come over and they have such big progress, it's like, oh, but I was weightlifting for this sport or that sport. For you to come over and running is the total opposite as well that'll if anything like atrophy muscle mass, you know, and it's like a, I mean, obviously an endurance. What was it endurance? Like what was the length that you'd be running for?
1: Yeah. I used to do in high school, I did sprints. And then in college I switched to distance running and I do like 40 to 50 miles a week. And then my feet hurt. <laughs> so I stopped doing that and I switched over to lifting.
0: <laughs> yeah. That is entirely different type of training. I mean, at the very least, obviously, you know, the discipline, consistency and knowing how to peak and all of that is there. Um, but it is an entirely different, you know, skill set and what will require from your body as well. And you doing that, do you think that helps prep you in terms of dealing with competition? Like, does it feel the same when you show up for a race because you're literally side by side with competitors in a race?
1: Um, it, powerlifting feels like a lot different because you know, like running, like I would be like, oh yeah, we're going to do a race, but I didn't care about it like half as much as I care about powerlifting, so. Like now when I prep for a powerlifting meet, it feels like totally different. But the like competitive mindset's still the same.
0: It's weird because powerlifting, I swear, is like. I wonder if other sports that like we're not one of the major sports, like like a baseball, basketball, whatever. We're not, a, or like freaking soccer that was on the World Cup, which is crazy. Um, we're not, so we're not one of those major sports. We're not, we're not an Olympic sport. So I wonder, like. Do other sports like powerlifting? Like, does freaking javelin throwing or high jump? Do they have a community like powerlifting? Because this is crazy. Our community is worldwide, global. We all know who is who. We have we follow each other. Uh, We know their background stories. We have like multiple podcasts. Like, are there multiple podcasts for like javelin throwing? You know what I mean? Like, like it's hard for me to wrap my head around or anything, discus throwing or whatever other sports. Like it's it is like nothing like uh it, it's hard to even try to explain to people powerlifting and how deep into it we get, but we do. You know, when you got into powerlifting, were you kind of shocked by that?
1: Yes. I was like, who are these people? <laughs> like I didn't know anyone in my first meet, and then I ended up meeting um like the entire Palo Alto community from there. I went on Instagram right after the meet and I was like, let me go ahead and just follow everyone that I met today. And then I started growing like the friends, the community in there. And it's, it's insane how you can know like everyone or know of everyone just from online and then see them in person.
0: Yeah. And so you started this like essentially walking in at 2020 because it was November, 2019. So you came in like kind of at a bad time because COVID was about to hit.
1: Yes. Um, yeah, I remember right. that now. Okay.
0: <laughs> right. And that's like a really tough time to all of a sudden be coming in, but who were some of the people that you started following first off when you got into powerlifting?
1: I'm pretty sure I like Meg Scanlon was like the first person I followed. Uh, and then I think I obviously heard of like Ross just because he's everywhere. And then I think I started just trying to follow everyone in North Carolina. So like Heather Connor and then like Brisa Blinky and then growing from there from uh-huh. North Carolina out
0: kind of branched out. And was it weird to start meeting these people in person or yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm like, Hey guys, (laughs) I'm new here. Thanks. uh, Thanks for having me. (laughs) Uh, See, it's,
0: would you have like, it's kind of weird. So sometimes when you're in powerlifting, um, you could be in it for years and never meet a Russ or never meet a Heather in person until years go by, especially it's probably, you know, if you're coming from a different nation, but So if you're coming from other nations, you don't ever see that unless you already make it to the world championship, which is very difficult, obviously. So for them, by the time they meet like Russell or he or some of these other bigger stars, it's like, oh, my God, for them. But for in the U.S., sometimes you you can run into these people relatively quickly, even at some local meets. They could be coaching people, handling people, helping out. Um, So it was probably did you? was it already some starstruckness when you met these people or was it, or did it happen too quickly? And you're like, I got into powerlifting and I was around these people already before I even knew how big they were.
1: Um, I remember like when I did the VA pro, I was really excited to meet Sam and I was like, Oh, she's so cool. And cause I've always watched her lift and stuff. And then I actually met her in the bathroom for the first time. And I was like, that's Sam Calhoun. And then <laughs> we said hello and everything she's like the nicest person ever and since then I've not really been like super like you know intimidated to say hey to anyone since then but when you first start out it's definitely a little like star star star
0: it's just different um and how how weird is it that this quickly you've become one of the bigger names in powerlifting
1: I don't know if I feel like the bigger names yet Really? I think I got some work to do first and then and then I'll give myself that title but uh it does feel like uh exciting just to know other people at meets now because we talk so much online and the community has just grown so much
0: like when you show up at the world championships there'll be a lot of people who already know you like there will be a lot of people who show up at the world championships from a lot of different nations all over the world and people may or may not know who they are when you show up at the world championships probably everybody's going to be like, yeah, I know, Natalie Richards. Is that, with that, and then of course you got to go through American Nationals. Again, Um, you know, with all <laughs> respect for everybody, whoever's listening, like, hey man, I'm battling for that spot too. But let's say hypothetically, um, I mean, yeah, it, it's got to be weird that it happened relatively quickly for you because at the end of 2021, when you hit that 485, already people started beating the drums for this. You know, they started going, oh my gosh, she's, you know, I think you were 21 at the time. Is that right?
1: What was I like? I just turned, I was I think I was 22 last year. I think I was 22. Let's take a quick I just turned 24 this year in October.
0: Yeah. 22. That's right. Um, and so for you to have hit that as a junior and obviously Joey <laughs> Namani just being seven and a half kilo away, it was, um, you know, already people started comparing you against a world champion. Joey Namani is like a, she was a 52-kilo world champion, 57-kilo world champion. Like, like her resume is huge for you to be have those comparisons so quickly. You know, what were your thoughts when all this was taking place? Were you like, holy smokes, this is coming pretty fast?
1: Yeah, it definitely felt like that a little bit. Uh, but I try not to, like, let that get to my head or be like, oh, man, you need to really step it up if you're going to go against this. I don't think it's like that. You know, I just do, like, my own thing. But, uh, like, I always see people compete at the world level, like, it's so much harder than just lifting in your backyard, like in any in the States at all, because the travel is so different and the judging is so different. So it's hard to compare the local meet that I did to like Joy's Total.
0: Going into the Virginia Pro at the end of 2021, um, were you anticipating that kind of performance? Was this kind of what you had on your radar? Did you went-
1: yeah, uh I was definitely trying for that. <laughs> I was definitely. Like anticipating i was a little nervous on squats because i always had hip pain or knee pain going in and i'm pretty sure i had knee pain going into the va pro but squats ended up going fine i had nine for nine day and just yard i think a little bit of everything there so I ended up being really good
0: we knew you were good that nine for nine 45 was a massive signal to the rest of the world though um i mean obviously proof is in the pudding and, and you show all your gym lifts and people could kind of see trending and you hit hit 470, which is really good as well. But that's really when you put together that nine for nine day. Um, after that, and then all of a sudden the obvious comparisons are coming. Initially, when you go USAPL, what were your thoughts there? Are you thinking, was it, you know, the the pro series seemed good? and Or initially when all this was happening and USAPL split and you took that route. What what went into your decision there?
1: So when like USAPL was studying from IPF, I didn't really want to make a quick decision because I didn't know what was actually going to happen. I didn't realize what PLA was going to become or what they're were going to really offer the lifters who wanted to go to worlds, but also wanted to try to do both. I guess it, you know it's not really an option to do the pro series and to go to worlds. It's pretty much one or the other, but. I just kinda of wanted to sit back for a while and just go as planned and go into nationals and then see what would happen after that with the whole road to worlds and whatnot.
0: Yeah. It's unfortunate that it even had to be a split, but it is what it is. It, it's you came at the like at that moment in time. It it's crazy for me who like remembers for years, it was always like USAPL. You win USAPL Nats, you go to Worlds. So we're all in the same umbrella. Yeah. All, <laughs> you know, so um, I don't know, still not fully used to it, but it is what it is. But um, so you decide you go to go into Nats. Um, uh, Nats, what what happened with, because time has passed, easy to talk about. Uh, what happened with the deadlifts? What happened around Mega Nats?
1: All right. So uh, like I was saying, I had a lot of external factors going to nationals, but the biggest thing was like in prep before like a week or two, when I hit my last heavy deadlift, I tried to do 222 and a half and I missed it on grip and my hands tore. And I think that just got in my head and I was not confident at all in my deadlift. And then nationals, I didn't hook grip like normal. I really tried to hold on to the bar because I was so scared I was going to drop it again. Then, you know, when you hold on so tight, your shoulders come forwards and then you look like that. And then that just gives you red light. So it is what
0: it is. Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough because um, up until that point, that was like, that was like the big one. And um, it was, I know you mean where, yeah, you can miss a lift. And, and that was, you didn't need, you said 222 and a half in the gym and yeah. you don't even need anywhere close to that. And you had come back, obviously you had redeemed yourself, come back and hit heavier than that. Cause at Nat's, you missed 210, 210, and then miss 215. Now, you came back for Carolina and hit that 215. Um, anyway, so you know you could – I mean, all's well that ends well, and you got your confidence back. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough when something like that happens, and it was at that meet in particular with Megan Nats. Was it afterwards like, okay, if this is the worst-case scenario, was it – is it like – what was it like, was this like the darkest moment? Was this like overwhelming or was it almost like a sigh of relief? Like, okay, the worst case scenario happened. I'm still here. The, the, you know, the sun still rose the next day. We still got another competition to go. How did it feel?
1: Uh, honestly, it felt like the latter. It felt like a sigh of relief because it was like, okay, literally the worst thing that could happen to you is over. Unfortunately, it was at nationals <laughs> when everyone was watching, but it is what it is. Uh, right. like now I'm not scared of that happening because I know that I'm going to be just fine and come back, you know, whatever, who cares? So yeah, it was like disappointing at first, but I was like, okay, what can I do now? Like I'm out of the pro series. What are my goals going to be? What I want to do with my career from this point on? Like it's just one meet, who cares? And then I just started working on obviously deadlift tech, feeling confident again, and then just trying to work back up strength wise.
0: It is. Um, yeah. Like during the moment, it feels the worst, right? Like I'm, I was there at worlds when Leah Bavla missed weight. And it was in that moment she couldn't have been more distraught. Um, you know, like it's it's very difficult to see that person and try to tell them, like, trust me, six months from now you'll be okay, you'll be right back on it, new new goals, new whatever. Um, but in that moment, it's like it just feels like that's moments lasting forever. How much was the next competition a redemption meet when you hit that five hundred one? How much did it mean to you to oh. cross into the five hundreds? And were you telling yourself this is my my way of getting redemption right now?
1: Um, I didn't really put too much pressure on myself uh, for Carolina Primetime or I honestly didn't know I was going to hit 501 until like we talked about thirds like on meet day like after I pulled my second we were like what do you want to do for your third and I was like this seems good so we did that Um, but I didn't really want to put myself in the situation where this is a redemption meet I need to do this whatever, whatever. I just thought about okay let's execute Let's have a great meet have a fun time
0: just kind of I meet mean, for those reasons. It is um, yeah, like when once you know, once the redemption storyline gets broken out, it throws on that another layer of expectations. It's tough because <laughs> they, like you think about Team France had a couple people have redemption meets, and we've seen it swing both ways. You know, Penna didn't have his redemption meet, and now it, you know, he's still looking for it. It's gonna come, obviously. You keep showing up, you're gonna have your redemption. Um, Leah Bavois did. And, you know, some people it's, it's a hitting miss proposition and it's tough, right? It's tough to be like, I know what you mean, where you might be like, I, I don't want to put pressure on myself for a possible redemption meet, but um, it, at the very least, every time you hit the platform, you know, it's, it's an opportunity to right a wrong. you know, redemption is always one competition away. So you don't need to hang in there too long was 500 kilos, uh, a goal anyways, like, like was it in the back of your mind at all? When you started adding up, all right, I'm close. Or you still be like, I don't even want to think about 500 kilos because you had to have known it was ballparking around there.
1: (laughs) I swear I did not look at what my total was going to be. I just looked at each individual lift and I was like, okay, hmm, what do I want to do for each individual one? And then it just so happened to be 501 at the end. But I really wanted to squat uh, close to 400 and bench, you know, 237 or whatever and pull more than I did at the VA Pro and I accomplished all those three things. So total 501, so be it.
0: The, that got to be so, like you got to be so disciplined to not add up your numbers Be like i wonder, wonder what total some of my goals would give me overall or were you like you were you consciously telling yourself i'm not gonna add these numbers up i don't want to know
1: well i don't know it goes back and forth sometimes i'll just be sitting on like a random saturday and be like i wonder what would happen if i did this and this and this, and this on squat yeah, <laughs> but the going, this, the going to a meet i'm like okay these seem very realistic numbers i fit this in training for these three lifts, and this is probably what I'm going to do. Like, that's
0: kind of what I think about. It is like, that's the biggest, te- like every power lifter does that, huh? Grabs the calculator, and be like, what would happen <laughs> if I did this? What would happen if I do that? It almost say like, oh
1: shit. Best I'm like, look at the dots. What dot? What do I need to hit? Oh. Have 700 dots. <laughs> for
0: <laughs> sure. For sure. Yeah. dude. like, well, if I got a little bit of body weight here and like, you never know <laughs> what could happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's difficult not to. And do you, do you because you you said you'd watch jad jack up at the euros do you watch your competitors like the streams and watch them compete and do you watch their training as well or do you are you also how are you like that
1: um it honestly just depends on the competitor like going into like the, the meets here not so much i don't really watch what people are going into and posting their peak numbers and stuff because i don't like to watch it on instagram but like, uh, on a global level, I always like to watch Joy or Jod lift, or Bobby. Like, it's just from a pure spectator's perspective. I, I don't want to watch as a competitor. <laughs> but i watch it from a spectator. I think they're, like, really, really fun to watch.
0: What did you think about um, the Jad Jackup-Joy Namani battle at Worlds when it came down to 0.5? <laughs>
1: <gasps> that was freaking insane. <laughs> I didn't know who was going to get it.
0: It, uh... I so I was sleeping on Jad and like I I like the fellows in the podcast in the preview show had her. So did people ever winning Arian, or or was it silver?
2: Uh, I don't know if Rory or anyone had them winning, but definitely had them up there on the podium and and projecting bigger totals than like what you and I were thinking.
0: And and Jad would be like like obviously since then Jad's done what she's done. She's like. What did you have me? Do you remember? It's like you know I didn't have you on the podium. I totally. It's the thing. It's, it's difficult to see sometimes in terms of people's training where they might end up. Um, but yeah, absolutely. The the live stream. Those ladies just lit it on fire. Like that was a like a hell of a showdown, right to the uh. very last deadlift.
1: I know. Joyce, when she came out and she was like shifting the crowd, she was getting focused
0: about doing her lift. I was like, oh, shit. Like, let's go. <laughs> Here we are. Yeah. And Jai, um, yeah, being a junior and stepping up to the plate and putting on the performance she did, like you want, like when these days were around, you want, somebody's got to step up. Sometimes you're like, you could have somebody winning, 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 and then win. And everyone's relatively close. Or somebody emerges from the pack steps up it's like i am going to this is going to be a dog fight you know right down the last this is working getting- okay
1: brian oh. is gone
2: <laughs> i think i think we officially lost him <laughs> i don't know what his uh i don't know what his
1: agenda is
2: i don't know what his uh question was um but i i, I wanted to jump back and go over nationals uh, okay <laughs> Because you were, you were mentioning how you were having like a not as good of a training cycle. You are having like external stressors and stuff like that. Um, on, on the podcast, we always let people talk about whatever they want and don't talk about whatever they don't want. But was part of the stressors or was it an added stress that this was like your first like nationals or your first like big meet? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like it was
1: uh, everyone, you know, I know it's good intentions and stuff. People, people would be like, Oh, are you excited? You're about to go to nationals. You're about to show them who you are and all that stuff. And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> all right now. Like it's just a lot of external pressure being nationals. I don't think next go around, I'm going to let that get to my head really and just treat it as a normal day, normal SVD day and things like that. But definitely going in, I was feeling a lot of the pressure. And then I would just get really stressed at work randomly. because I'm like thinking about my attempts at nationals for no reason. And then it just got a lot <laughs> and then it, it was just adding on pressure too if I missed the deadlift in training and I felt like I
2: wasn't doing the best that I could. Yeah, I mean, that definitely has something with uh, friends, I guess, and social media, everything like that. Like, yeah. That's something Jonathan Keiko said a World is that Ryan keeps typing up, oh, Mr. Perfect. He goes nine for nine all the time. He wins all these big meets or <laughs> anything like that. Yep. And that pressure was just adding on him and then he finally missed that deadlift. And he's like, he's like, I'm kind of glad now that that streak is over. Yeah. Ryan's not going to talk about it anymore. <laughs> So true. Uh, um, on top of that as well, I was gonna, I was gonna say, um, uh, oh, we got Ryan back here. Ryan, hop back over to nationals real quick to just talk about like the stress of going to the first nationals during the actual competition, like the training cycles over now you made weight, you're actually lifting, you know, you're making some squats, you're making some benches. Did you like Feel anything coming on as far as like, did you feel weak that day or like concerned about your deadlift or any of your lifts or anything like that? Or were you feeling good until you started getting called on those deadlifts?
1: I knew that it was not going to be a good day. (laughs) Like, my mentality was not there. I was not prepped for it. Like, I think I went nine for nine, like either two or three meets in a row before nationals. Like, I was on a groove. I was doing too good and then I went off the hill after that. But like, I was not feeling the like most confident and I've never had an issue with my squat that I did at nationals. like my third attempt. I walked it out, fell a little bit sideways and I kept going and I squatted it and I missed it. And I was like, what the hell was I doing? Like, why was I like that? Like so hyped up where the point I was falling over. Like I've never done that before in my life. And then bench is fine. And then deadlift, I was just not confident. And even in the work room for deadlift, I wasn't having a good time. <laughs> like it was not going the best. So it was just overall a bad day. Whether it was from it was majority of this much, I think
2: it, it looks like you at least adjust a little bit when it comes to your Delve plan because I'm looking at it. Last year's Carolina primetime, you opened up at 190. Last year's Virginia pro, you opened up 190. Then nationals, you opened up on 210 and up bombing out there. Cool. And then this year's Carolina primetime adjusted, open up 185, <laughs> get one in and then go from there.
1: I like <laughs> tempoed it, held it and then tempoed it back
2: down and it was fine. <laughs> okay. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, it's good that you're, you're able to at least like analyze, you know, what happened, what went wrong yeah. and be able to adjust and like, hey, let's just open up light and we can always just take a bigger jump from there. And then less stress because it's a lower level. I mean, Carolina primetime, you guys do hype it up locally, but yeah. it's not the level of a nationals. And then obviously, like focusing on just each individual lift and each individual attempt rather on this overall idea of breaking 500 or whatever else.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I practiced like large jumps for deadlift. So I hopefully will never have to face that scenario ever again and be
2: prepared for it. Ryan, do you remember what a uh, question you were trying to ask before you got cut off?
0: Um, I was just talking about, well, first off, uh, jumping on that discussion, at the very least, like, you know, you can't buy experience. You could watch YouTube videos, read articles, but there's nothing like living it. And um, I mean, sometimes you you know, you do your research and you feel like you know it all until you walk in on the day of. It's like, holy shit. You going through the experiences you have before you enter into any, like, let's say you go through PA Nats. could be a dogfight. I don't know who's all going to end up showing up. but It looks like there's a lot of people coming over on the women's side. Yeah. So we'll deal with that. And then if you make it to Worlds, um, it's just more experiences. almost maybe even better that certain things happen the way they did. So when you show up and it's Jad for France, Joey, and all these people – and, and the hype is going to be insane. You're more and more ready each and every time. There's something about that kind of experience. And I've had people on the podcast who jumped into that fire real quick. And um, it took him a couple times, even a guy like Russ, it was his second world championships that, that he won, right? Like he first, he lost to Brett, came back, rallied back and beat Brett to take the world title. Like it's, you know, and and because he, he jumped in quick. And um, I mean, there's other factors, injuries and stuff like that. I think they were plaguing him as well, but there's something to be said for like, okay, it's okay not to rush things. Maybe it was good after all that you go through these experiences and and live them now. So when you show up there, it's harder and harder. When you see that 10 year veteran hard to rattle like a Taylor Atwood, if something's slightly off, Taylor's not getting rattled. You know what I mean? Like Ed, where you said you showed up, like, ah, man, wasn't feeling it super, whatever. When you're time after time, more and more competitions, you gain confidence. You're like, I'll be all right. Yeah. You know, the more things yeah. you face, you're like, I've been here. Oh, we we've done this kind of thing. We've done this song. I've heard the song before. I know all the dance dance moves to this one. So um, I don't know. There's something you said for that. Um, and, and while I was getting cut off, and if I get cut off again, guys, I'm just going to jump in the conversation wherever you guys are at. Don't worry. I'll just listen and try to cue my way in. Um, but uh, I was just saying how at, at I think at the uh, going back to the world championships when Jad emerged and, and made a push on at that and you never kind of know when that's going to happen and how it's like a a gift but that's the gift of having a stacked division where sometimes people somebody steps up and makes something happen um but going into next year's worlds it's going to be absolutely stacked it's not even about somebody stepping up i think it's everybody's already the expectations are going to be high from so many people it could be three people on the podium uh 500 kilos and up nat are you still with us or did natalie freeze this time
2: Maybe she did freeze on us this time,
0: unless she's staring me down right now. I, you know what? I, I respect this. We're, <laughs> we're 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 playing a game right now of who's alpha, and we're having a stare down. Well,
2: I'm gonna pause.
0: I'll cue you. What do you think? Top three you're gonna have to get onto the podium at
1: once. <laughs> I think all three are gonna have to hit over 500. Obviously. which is insane. Yeah.
0: Like you think about. Um, <laughs> At Worlds at, six, at 63 kilo, like 505 won it. Like I know Meg just did 537 and a half. Like she was, how did you think about that?
1: That was freaking nuts. That was yeah. insane. <laughs> yeah. She, bumped, it, she went number four all time, I think, for Dots.
0: It, it was, it's a crazy performance. Meg is capable. You know, I remember 2019, the world championships when her Maria T battled and um, she broke the open world record. And Maria T just nudged past her. This is the fifty-seven kilo. This is this is your class. And um, Maria T just nudged past her with a hell mary third attempt. She missed. Maria T pulled her second attempt and missed. And Meg hit. And then Meg is like, "Oh shit! I think I just won the world championships." And Meg's total was so she was done because Marie's gonna lift last. And Meg is like, "I just broke the world record total." Uh, Maria missed her second. And now she's gonna come out and have to redo, and it looked like she missed it on strength. Marie T came back out in one of those sports moments where it's like, How the fuck? She pulls the same weight and hits it this time and wins. But um, Meg Meg has been world class, and um her winning the title. I know Leah Bavel wasn't there, but her now hitting 537 and a half is it's good for her. And in a powerlift America is in my DMs, like told you. I told you see how good she is. I'm like, I know, she's good, she's good. But it's it's crazy to think that 57-kilo ladies now, you could 100% see a podium that's um, 500 kilos and up. Jad and Joy are 495, you've done 501, like, for sure. This is, you, all three you were capable, and God knows what the rest of the field, they're probably capable as well, who knows? Uh, but the biggest thing would be, obviously, is like potential travel, etc that 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 might happen do you think you're going to um i mean we're, we're a little ways out but do you think when it comes to international travel or whatnot do you anticipate if you make it onto the world team you're like look at it, i'm going to be showing up early i want to get acclimatized because if i could give any advice to anybody show up early don't show up like two days before or whatever it, it could be tough in terms of like have you done traveling in your life even in your private life much yeah.
1: of it Yeah, like I've traveled out of the country a few times, so I'm definitely trying to get there like early, adjust to the time period, sleep, and then find foods that will—I know that won't hurt my stomach or anything—and feel good that way.
0: Yeah, look at Malta. Shouldn't be too bad. Malta looks freaking amazing too. Like looking at the pictures of what out of Malta, it looks freaking amazing in the food. I'm gonna gain like five pounds at least. It's gonna be terrible. Um,
2: Gotta get your steps in.
0: I gotta get my steps (laughs) in. I got to get my steps in, because this is going to be rough. Uh, but yeah, Malta looks absolutely amazing. But yeah, for sure, getting there bright and early. When it comes to like any of these competitions, some people, not everyone has that ability. What's your day job? If you don't mind me asking.
1: I work as a project manager for a manufacturing firm, so it's mostly like desk work.
0: I'm a project man- uh, manager for a manufacturing firm. No kidding. You, do, yeah, no kidding. Hey, let's turn this into a project management podcast <laughs> <laughs> see how many see how many listeners we immediately drop off as we talk <laughs> about here are five tips for project management and we start going into uh but um it, do you do coaching as well mm-hmm, yep. on the side? okay that's what i thought
1: yeah yep i do powerlifting and nutrition coaching on the side and mostly um like weekends and stuff traveling to well i was traveling to like all the usa paleomate freeze
0: yeah do you find so do you ever see yourself going all in with powerlifting and making powerlifting your sole source of income?
1: I think that'd be like super cool, but I'm not sure like right now what I want to do with that. So I'm just taking kind of one step at a time.
0: It's tough to like walk. Like if you have like, like a salary gig.
2: Uh-oh, I think I that time. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with you too. I think he just, he was saying that, yeah, it's tough that if you have a stable, like full-time job outside of powerlifting and it's paying you a set salary <laughs> to then give all that up. And then like when I switched, I had to like, kind of start over from coaching and like build myself back up. And the, I guess the benefit for you though, would be like, you're kind of doing them both at the same time. So if you did want to transition, you can find the right time to do it. Uh, are you doing most of your coaching in person or are you doing in person and online?
1: Right. I do a hundred percent online. So um, back in the day, like years ago, I used to be like a personal like trainer when I first started. So I learned like how the body works and movement and everything like that. Then I started doing powerlifting coaching online, um, and everything via like Google sheets, discords, stuff that we are gonna have good communication. And I do all of that, um, powerlifting and nutrition coaching.
2: Okay. Yeah, so I guess that, that helps that you can reach a, a bigger audience that way to get potential clients. And I was actually looking at your your Instagram early when Ryan was talking about how big of a name you are. And it's like, even though you have the like you know, the biggest total, whatever, under sixty kilos, almost under fifty seven, and um you know, you've gone to Nationals, Virginia Pro, Carolina, Primetime, whatever, I looked and you only have like seven thousand followers versus some of these people have hundred thousand, two hundred thousand. Yeah.
1: So, Absolutely flaming me right now. <laughs>
2: no, I'm just, I'm just saying the potential is there. As you're doing more of these meets, as you do nationals, if you make it the world, Sheffield, whatever else is in the books for you, is that's going to help drive the the career side. So that's going to help you get more clients and everything like that to maybe help you make the switch if you do want to do it one day.
1: Right. I'm trying to put out good, yeah, uh, coaching content. I do some of that on Instagram, and then occasionally I'll do like one YouTube video that's not satire and something you know to kind of build that. Um, base and foundation for that, but that's, you know, one step at a time.
2: Yeah. I have tried it. It's definitely tough because, uh, some people like learning and doing like how to Instagram post and, and learn yeah. stuff about technique or program, or whatever, but a lot mm-hmm. of people go to like Instagram and TikTok just for entertainment. So you have to just put like oh. silly, funny stuff out there.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous.
2: Stuff. Uh, and as far as your work, um, does your project managing job allow you like, time enough time away to be able to go to worlds and get there several days early and compete and maybe stay an extra couple of days for a vacation and come back
1: i will certainly ask for that time <laughs> if i get pto probably not but it's okay
2: <laughs> yeah <laughs> start be, saving up
1: yeah if that's fine i'll just go ahead and stay for that it'll be fine and just make sure i have a whole week to kind of feel comfortable and then maybe a few days after to see like more malta and sightseeing
2: yeah because um for nationals, I'm guessing you might only have to take like one or two days off. I don't know if you are you competing on Friday or Saturday, do you know?
1: I, I could have sworn it was Thursday. Uh I am sure if they start early, but I have to double check. I've only glanced at it briefly.
2: It's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'm pulling it oh, right not now to see real quick. <laughs> uh yeah, Friday's forty sevens, fifty twos, and fifty sevens.
1: Oh, that's not bad then. Maybe I just need to fly down Thursday or something.
2: Yeah, at least that's a quick trip. Yeah, you may be flying on Thursday, compete on Friday, and then leave Friday or Saturday.
1: Yeah, that's not bad.
2: But yeah, but for Worlds, you definitely uh, want to get there. We usually, when when I was like the national team coach for USAPL, we always told people like, I get there at least two days early, even just like for the fact that your flight might get delayed or canceled yeah. or your bags to make it stuck somewhere whatever, having that leeway to, to get your stuff or be, be there on time. But then just adjust for the time zone as well. I think it's maybe like five or six hours difference from us yeah that's tough um and then what i was thinking too is you guys were talking about the uh the totals for worlds and i was looking at the world records is like uh leah has the world record in the 63s at 556.5 and then for the fifty sevens, jad has it at 495.5 so that's like a 60 kilo difference before that as well before Jad bumped it up. Joey had it at 480.5 from, from world. So like I I try and use those as a guide to be like, okay, there's like a big gap here from 480 to 556. So with the right person or enough time that that total will probably go up, which we've seen now 495.5. I think it's going to be crazy if all three of you go over 500, but it's (laughs) certainly possible.
1: I know it'll just depend on the day and on, you know, like the judging and are we hitting depth and are we doing all the right things that we should be doing? and
2: happens yeah yeah i mean it, it always just depends on uh what kind of day everyone ha- is having is everyone on is everyone off is it going to be a mix uh, how people travel at least for jad and joy it's going to be a super easy trip for them um, for us in the u.s it's not that difficult um so that could set you up all well for Bobby as well be easy trip. The hardest won't be Evie. She was saying basically New Zealand to Malta is like the farthest distance that you can go for that really? is, is interesting.
1: Oh my gosh, poor Evie. Because,
2: <laughs> Because I guess if you're going like, you know, a little bit west to like maybe Africa or the Middle East or something, it's not as bad. If you're going okay. a little bit east to like California or something like that, it's not as bad. But then to just go completely to like the center of Europe is like the hardest. Dang.
1: I would not
2: have thought that at all. <laughs> yeah, so that's going to be uh, tough for, for them, but that they have to do that all the time. Um, So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much more this world record gets bumped up if we see 510, 515, 520, <laughs> some numbers that people don't think about or are ever capable of, but that's the way it is. Like, I was looking back as well, like Jen Milliken, when she did 2017 Worlds, she told 462 and she was best lifter at Worlds and now like how far it's gone.
1: That's insane. It's just pushing. Everyone pushes each other. If you're at the highest level of competition, you're just going to push each other every year.
2: Yeah. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about as well was with the powerlifting American meet that you did to do the local meet to qualify for nationals is uh, I'm sure it was short notice and it was quick time after Carolina prime time, but were you thinking at all to maybe try at that meet and put up a bigger total just to get more like platform practice?
1: uh to be honest with you the Monday before the Saturday when I was supposed to lift my friend Wesley texted me and he was like hey do you want to like do this power American meat and I was like sure like uh, the only other option was go up to Buffalo New York in January and I was like I don't want to do that so I didn't think about this at all I just wanted to do 60 65 I think kilos so the bar didn't have to be short or anything weird I did 65 kilos and everything I did not think about doing a sort of total I was like okay, I'll go to Tennessee. (laughs) It's a lot easier than going to Buffalo. So I didn't think about doing anything crazy at the meet. And I think, uh, it was a power America partner meet. So they had special Olympics and power America, which was really cool. So it was just a fun kind of vibe overall.
2: Yeah. I know, um, the meet director, Chip Holquist is, uh, heavily involved with the special Olympics and he's always wanted to do that, uh, type of power partner meet. Um, they (laughs) have come that I guess they've been working on for some time. So yeah, it's a nice, interesting aspect to it. Um, Mm. So, yeah, I guess it's, you know, it's tough with people who don't know about of America is like, there's not a lot of meats in a lot of states. Um, yeah. for, for me, like in Florida, there's like plenty of meats, but for some people who are maybe, you know, in the Carolina area or Midwest area or Northwest and there's no meats. And so, yeah, it's probably better to just say, all right, I'll just jump into this Tennessee meat last yeah. minute and just get the, the total.
1: Yeah, it was either that or I fly to Buffalo in January and that just does not sound fun. <laughs>
2: and then at that point too, it gets closer and closer where if you do try at that meet, then it's a quick turnaround to the end of February for nationals.
1: Yeah. This extra traveling and stuff that I just did not want to do. So ended up ended up being good going to that Paralympic American meet in Tennessee.
2: Yeah, and um did uh, did you like surprise your friends I guess and all the people who like you know see you train and root for everything they're like oh I'm going to do this powerlifting American meet and I'm going to the American nationals instead
1: yeah <laughs> yeah because I don't think I even made like a formal announcement like I was switching and then I was and then my friend just texted me and said I want to switch so do you want to do this meet with me and I was like yeah because I knew I was going to switch after I did Carolina Prime time but I didn't make an announcement so I signed up and then like five days later I said hey I'm doing this meet tomorrow and then How's that
2: was <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I know it's uh with the whole fallout. It's been like uh tough for people who do want to switch. So some people like secretly do it. Some people make yeah. an announcement first to let everyone know, like, hey, up front, I'm switching over. Blah blah. Uh, so it was just wondering how it was for you as far as the transition.
1: Yeah, I knew I was going to switch to PLA after nationals because there's just no incentive for me to finish out with Pro Series, and then I was like, let's do Carolina Primetime to you know solidify some records and stuff, and then. This slips on over to PLA.
2: As far as like um goals and records and stuff like that, do you put like long term goals for yourself? Like, hey, one day I wanna, you know, pull this mm-hmm. weight or one day I wanna like squat this weight?
1: Uh I don't really put numbers to it because I don't wanna like limit myself. Cause I used to think 170, 374 would be like the absolute max. Like that is the best I will ever do. And now I've gone past that and it was like who knows what's next maybe i could shoot for 500 after doing 400 and uh, shoot for 500 deadlift and a 550 deadlift like there's no limits i don't really put numbers to my goals or anything i just want to be i think trying my best for a really long time that's just my goal i want to be like nine for nine for as long as i can go
2: do you set like goals for yourself as far as like um I want to win world titles or win this many world titles, or I want to go do, I want to leave this kind of legacy rather than just specific numbers?
1: Uh, right now, I just want at least one world title, hopefully in 2023, optimistically, but uh, I don't really have a number on that. I just want to show myself as one of the strongest women in powerlifting. And I know I have quite a road to follow among very many strong women. So that's just the road that I'm trying to go down.
2: And then as far as um, weight classes, like, do you feel comfortable in the 57 kilo weight class? Could you see yourself one day trying to fill out the 63s and see what you can do a weight class up?
1: If you ask that question, like in June, I'd be like, I will always be 57. But since I've had the freedom to go up to 60 kilos, like, (laughs) I don't know, I feel really good at 60. Uh, Like I just walk around. I'm very strong and getting to eat whatever I want, but I'm sure if I get my diet dialed in and everything, 57 will feel fine for at least a few more years and then I'll see how I feel from there and if I want to fill up the 63s or anything, but for now, it's not on my radar at all. It was just nice to eat like a lot of food over the summer.
2: You say the freedom of 60, but like at nationals, you're 57.6 and then at Carolina primetime, you undershot your 57.3. And then I know. Even, for, <laughs> even for this qualifier meat, you're fifty-eight point six.
1: <laughs> I just got nervous. I ate Chick-fil-A before like every meat. <laughs> I just like get so nervous I lose weight. But I, guess I have been eating, so I will probably have to actually diet this time.
2: Okay, okay. Um I know people people always wondering as far as like palifers, like their basic stats and stuff like that, like how tall are you?
1: uh despite my instagram angle making me like six foot i am in fact like five two <laughs>
2: five two okay yeah, yeah so yeah it always depends on the person how well they can fill out their body maybe 60 kilos is kind of where you sit at maybe you'll be able to fill out 63 but i guess we'll see in the coming years
1: yeah i've never like been able to maintain a full 60 kilos i've always been like one or two pounds under and kind of sat there i really have to push myself a lot harder to hit 132 pounds but yeah, we'll see
2: um, and then as far as your training, going into nationals and all stuff like that, do you want to talk about, um, your, your coach at all and the coaching change anything like that? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so for the past two years, I've been with anchor, Hall and John, I, they, my coach, they were my coaches. I also coached for anchor, um, as their independent contractor, but they were my coaches for the past two years, um, going into nationals and everything like that. in Carolina primetime recently. And then after Carolina Prime Time, I really just wanted to honestly take a step back and self coach and also decide on what my goals were for 2023. Like, did I actually really want to do the Power of in America? And if so, how is that going to impact other people's coaching? Because some coaches, there's like weird rules where you can't be at some meets and blah, 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 blah. And I ended up deciding I wanted to have like a fresh set of eyes for my training and just mix things up, you know, uh, just have like some fresh perspective on it. And also, I didn't want any. Conflict of interest between PLA and USAPL coaching as well, so I ended up um, asking Steve to be my coach, and things have turned really well. He said yes, so got Coach Steveo um, with me, and things have been going really well. You're,
2: you're like I don't want to cause any like uh, trouble between USAPL and Power yeah. America, so let me get Steve Danovi to be my coach. Hey
1: Steve. <laughs>
2: uh, we. We'll, we'll see if uh if they pull him aside and say anything to him at nationals
1: oh my gosh i doubt it well maybe actually i don't know and then they pull i think they pulled angelo aside last year
2: That that's the story i heard i didn't see it i was there all three days but yeah apparently they pulled him out of the crowd and into the side of wherever and spoke to him about the things he said
1: that's awesome
2: <laughs> so we'll see if they do the, the same thing to steve but yeah I, steve was messaging me the other, the other day as far as the membership and stuff so he's planning on going to nationals it seems like he's fine <laughs> so we'll see yeah, he's, he's super chill <laughs>
1: um
2: and then i was gonna um i was gonna say as far as your your training now with steve i know it's like really early on but do you feel like there were like any big changes that he's done or has it been like little small tweaks or is there nothing really that stands out yet and you have to wait and see so since
1: nationals are so close uh like I guess we started We started four weeks ago. We just ended our first block together uh, on Friday. So we didn't want to do anything major that will throw me off since we are so close to national. So we've made really small tweaks on all three lifts. And it's a little bit of a different um, programming style. Nothing major, nothing huge. Um, Some new cues and new feedback and everything. Um, so basically just prioritizing, uh, feeling better, getting back into higher intensive loads after taking... So I took five weeks off after Carolina prime time. So I didn't do like really any comp squats or anything. So we did that for these four weeks. We tweaked a little bit of my bench press, making sure my depth will be what it should be. Or worst case scenario, I can at least close grip my opener or something like that. And then on deadlifts, uh, obviously I wanted to make sure that uh, what happened at nationals will happen again. So we making making some tweaks there things like that, but absolutely nothing major, just small things so that we can have a really good performance at nationals.
2: Cool. And I know people always want to know like how like these top lifters are training. So how many days a week do you train?
1: I train five days a week. I usually take uh, two rest days, one during the week, and then I take Sundays days off as well. Um, but I'm right now I'm doing two squat days. I'm doing um, depending on whatever Steve wants to put in the block. I think I'm doing two low bar days I have to check, but uh, doing that and doing four bench press days, uh, adding in that fourth bench press and seeing how my bench reacts to that volume change. And then I'm also doing two deadlift days, which is new because I would do, well, it's not new deadlift days, but I would always do either conventional and sumo or stick legged deadlifts in sumo. But now I'm doing two actual sumo days, which is new.
2: And um, are you doing more uh, percentage based or more RPE based?
1: Uh, he gives me both, like, he gives me like a range of percentage and then RP, so I don't overshoot and like die. <laughs> Hopefully I kind of overshot a little bit this week. sleep, not going to lie, but it's fine. <laughs> uh,
2: I was going to say, always got to keep some of you strong lifters in check from going too far off the
1: rails. I felt so bad because this is our first block together. And I really thought I had these lifts and that they were going to be in the right RPE range and they were definitely overshot. So uh, and it's uh, it happens.
2: <laughs> and then uh, do you regularly do any kind of cardio or you just keep uh, your nutrition in check?
1: Um, I don't know. I, I walk a ton. Like I walk uh, my dog twice a day we do like three to four miles. So I guess that's walking. That's decent. I don't really do any biking anymore or anything like that or running. I just kind of walk I'll occasionally do the assault bike, but I just try to eat right and walk a little bit.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you're going to be like, what like 10,000 plus steps like that? yeah usually yeah yeah so that definitely helps um ryan also messaged me he wanted me to, to play the name huh. game with you i don't know if you've listened to any of the latest podcasts but just saying someone's name and you telling it telling us like a couple words first words that come into your mind about oh, that person
1: okay um, it, doesn't, it
2: doesn't it doesn't have to be like instant so if you need to like think about it for a second and, and see what you think about the person um and if you don't know the person whatever you want to skip uh we can skip okay so, First name he has, of course, is Joy Namani.
1: Oh, awesome. Inspiring. <laughs> I love Joy.
2: Um, second name is Jessica Bittner.
1: Uh, muscle Mommy. I think would be the cor- correct way to address her. <laughs> and also the first words that come to mind.
2: <laughs> muscle Mommy. I was like, I guess I guess her dogs can be her kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, Russell Orhi
1: uh first thing that pops to my mind is like a dollars no i can't say that uh first thing that pops to my mind is like a gold chain a gold chain yeah
2: did you see the performance he just did in south korea
1: um i did i don't know what he totaled uh i saw his third deadlift that was a really good grind i don't know what what did he total.
2: He told eight eighty five in the ninety kilo class. He like didn't cut weight for it, um, okay. which is which is now the highest total in the ninety kilos. He t- told more than what uh, Brandon Petrie won Pichy. nationals with. Yeah,
1: that's right, that's right, that's right. And I saw his uh, story that says, "Like I am him," and it was like in the 80- the ninety and the eighty two class or whatever. <laughs> yeah,
2: because he fin- finished off the year with the highest total mode. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, next name: Leah Bavois.
1: Um. First thing that pops to my mind is her reaction after she hit that last deadlift and got 600 dots. That was absolutely.
2: Cool. Uh, Jesus Olivares.
1: Ah, oh, I don't know Jesus that well. We we'll, like talk occasionally, but he seems like a really uh, cool dude, and I hope he hits something absolutely insane on his squats at nationals. Or guess he doesn't have to do nationals, does he? Is he going straight to the world?
2: Well, he has to first see if he gets to invite to Sheffield or not Sheffield, since they right? haven't done the, the wildcard invites yet, or at least we don't know publicly. And yeah. then from there, he has to decide whether he wants to do Nationals or try and get on the team through Sheffield. So we'll see what he wants to do. Okay, cool. But he, he lives in Texas and you know we'll, we'll see what kind of competition he has. He may not have any, so he may come and do Nationals and he may be there you know, on Thursday or Friday, so you may end up meeting him there. If mm-hmm. not, then if you make it to Worlds and he makes it to Worlds, you can meet him there. Cool uh jad jacob
1: oh i talk to her a lot in the dm sometimes um first thing that pops into mind uh i don't know <laughs> just kind of like in uh awe and shock of what she's capable of i guess
2: and when when you first came into usapl before we got kicked out and COVID and all this stuff like that you're still a junior were you ever thinking about like going to nationals to try and make it the world as a junior
1: uh i didn't ever really think about that i was just really trying to make it to nationals because i didn't know where i even like ranked up against people in the united states so i didn't have worlds on my radar at all and i remember in 2020 i think i tried to do a qualifier meet for nationals and then i did the qualifier meet and the nationals got canceled that year i think it was 2020 uh, yeah. and
2: everything so i was like m- maybe in a different world the uh, have lined up where you two would yeah. have competed at junior worlds against each other
1: right yeah i did not even have it like on my radar at the time
2: okay uh next name taylor atwood
1: i have never talked to taylor i don't think he <laughs> you know who i am <laughs> uh i don't know much about tra- taylor atwood for him being the best male powerlifter uh i guess of all time
2: do you like follow him at all as far as his like meat performances and stuff like that
1: uh not strictly i'll like see what he throws up uh at like worlds or something and i'm definitely gonna watch him at sheffield but i haven't really followed his training that strictly
2: okay yeah. we'll we'll see as well if if he does nationals or does sheffield but he's also being yeah. on on friday as far as the current uh schedule for nationals so maybe you'll both be in the ses- same session competing <laughs> side by side and you'll get to meet him. <laughs> uh celine crumb
1: um i i would say that she really taught me what it is what competition is (laughs) that pops into my mind because we like whether we like it or not freaking two white lights i've told them a thousand times and marshall always put us together for no reason and i've yeah we have taught each other i think competition and pushing each other really high
2: it, it's starting to separate more as far as like different weight classes and now it'll be like different federations and stuff. But like early on, it was like you both were like similar to body weights. You're both competing in South Carolina or North Carolina meets sometimes against your, each other. And so like, yeah, people are like hyping this up of North Carolina versus South Carolina or Natalie versus Celine. Yeah. Um, uh-
1: I told, like, Marshall does all the graphics and all the interviews for Carolina Primetime. And I said, Marshall, can you please not make this a storyline? Because you aren't going to weigh the same. Like, it's not going to be like that. And he was like, nah, I'm going to (laughs) get, I got to get the clicks (laughs) or whatever he said. But yeah, they've always put us, put us together. Uh,
2: When I said the name, you like made a face at first. Is it like a friendly rivalry or is it not so friendly rivalry?
1: (laughs) We don't talk like really at all. I would say it's friendly though. Like, I wish nothing but the best for Celine, and she's obviously, like, stepped out and just, like, uh, really just blossomed as she's gone up a little bit in 63s and whatnot, whatever path she wants. I wish her nothing but the best, because she certainly has uh, put, put a really good perspective on what it is to be competitive, and I can never, you know, thank someone enough for that.
2: Okay. Well, I, I guess now the the storylines going forward from King of List and Two White Lights, everything is going to be you going at the Nationals and then Worlds going against Joy and Jad and all of them. So now you have some uh, new people to be on posters with.
1: God. And you need to tell Ryan, if he needs a picture, just ask me because he chooses absolutely terrible pictures of me when he posts. So.
2: <laughs> we'll, well, we'll let him know that you mentioned this uh, on the yeah.
1: podcast.
2: <laughs> and, uh, and- and then I guess you'll have better pictures of you, um, when we go into nationals and world and stuff like that, the IPF takes their own photos as well. So we'll have stuff to pick from. Um, I was, I was also going to mention, um, I, now that we're getting close to the end of the podcast is, uh, are you sponsored by anyone?
1: Uh, recently I am sponsored by SPD as of like, uh, last week or so. So shout out to SPD and then also left bar bros apparel.
2: Okay. I I want to make sure to I confirm that before I also brought that like SPD usually sends a photographer to all the meets so then we'll get a bunch of, you know, photos and stuff like that from Nationals and if you do go to Worlds from SPD and then they'll usually share them with Ryan so then he'll have better okay, photos to use. <laughs>
1: okay he, man the like the only one that he used that was like really bad was when i missed my third squat and i like waved but i was like crying and my forehead name was popping out and i was like ryan was there like no other picture you could have possibly used for that
2: it, it depends on what post it was or what fo- videos and stuff like that but some of the ones i i i'd make for him um, and so sometimes I have to just go to the person's Instagram and scroll through and see what kind of photo right. I can find of them. That's on their Instagram. Some people don't post that much to Instagram and I could try and go to Facebook, whatever like that. So sometimes it's hard, but <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that was one of my posts or his posts that he, yeah, made.
1: we'll just blame him since he's not here right
2: now. <laughs> um, and also, do you want to, um, give people any information on how they can reach you as far as coaching for nutrition, programming or whatever else? Yep.
1: Um, if you want, just shoot me a DM, uh, nat underscore lifting on Instagram or www.anchorpower.co. And I'm on the website there.
2: And then is there uh, anything else you want to uh, mention, any shout outs, anything else?
1: Hmm. I will shout out one person, Doby Kim, <laughs> for being my best friend <laughs> and probably with me for every single powerlifting meet since literally, I think, 2020. It
2: is. Is he the one who switched to Powerful America first? Oh,
1: that was that Wesley. Was he already
2: got a shout out, though. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, got all the shout outs out, the sponsors, all the coaching, everything like that. Um, so, <laughs> I, I know it was a, a little bit of a rough episode here, losing Ryan a bunch of times and losing you once, but I'm glad we were able to get through it and finish it off. Thanks for coming on and, and dealing with this. Hopefully, next <laughs> time, uh, maybe after Nationals, whatever, we'll do another one and, and it'll go a little bit more smoothly. And for all the listeners, of course, uh, you know, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can listen to all these interviews and be sure to give us likes and everything like that. Um, You can take a clip of whatever section you like um, from this episode, post it on your Instagram stories, tag us while we share it. Um, And I guess with that, I'll end it. Thank you all. And uh, bye, Natalie.
1: Bye.